So I've said many times before that words matter. The word you use or that you choose in a certain situation or a certain context will do the most to convey your actual meaning. And if you use the wrong word, you can leave something up for interpretation or lead people to think things about what you're trying to talk about that simply aren't true or not what you intend. I think the political right has a little bit of a problem in this area with regards to how we use the words revolution, rebellion, restoration, things along those lines. When we talk about what rights do we hold dear, uh, what rights are articulated in the Declaration of Independence, and what did that look like then when it was written, What was it saying about it at that time? And what does it say now? Even if it says the same thing, do we understand it the same way? So I'd like to explore that concept a little bit in this episode. The words that we use and whether or not we're using the right words. And maybe we can find the right words to really express what we mean. So let's get into it as we have another hazardous conversation. Trigger warning disclaimer. Hazardous Conversations pushes rhetorical boundaries for acceptable political discourse. Listening to this program could have the uncomfortable side effect of provoking deep intellectual inquiry into foundational principles of liberty. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Hazardous Conversations podcast. My name is Tyler Miller. I'm your host. And I want to thank you for joining the conversation in today's episode. So... What kind of got me thinking about this is the nature of things, how things come about, how things operate, um, are just as important as the thing itself. Um, How you win a war or how you fight the war is just as important on whether or not you win the war. Uh, How you play a game is just as, if not more important, than actually winning the game, so on and so forth. These are these are concepts that we've pretty much come to accept and understand as true. If you are dishonest in the way that you gain something, then doesn't matter what you've gained. Um, biblically, I believe there's a passage in uh, the book of Matthew, what profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? Right? This is a core idea. So how something happens. So The way you determine very often the nature of something is the way in which it's described. The words that you assign to it when you're talking about it, when you're describing it to other people, when you're sharing it with other people. So the words that you choose when you're trying to describe the nature of something matters very much. And as I look at a lot of the rhetoric that even I espouse, um, but a lot of people on the right... Um, We use words that I don't know fully capture what we mean all the time. Now, one of those words is rebellion. And we use that word very fast and loose in the way that we talk about, um, I am in rebellion against something, or um, I have rebel spirit. And a lot of that comes from pop culture. Um, But a lot of that is our heritage. The American Revolution was characterized as a rebellion in Great Britain. And we sort of embraced that. We embraced that and said, heck yeah, and it's our right to rebel. What's interesting is when you actually look at the Declaration of Independence and the words that Jefferson used, uh, the word rebellion isn't in there at all. Not rebel or anything like that, because they didn't view themselves as rebels. 
they viewed themselves largely as good Englishmen, as people defending and standing on their rights, their constitutional rights as Englishmen under English law, under the English unwritten, but under the English constitution. And so they didn't necessarily look at it as a rebellion. And when you look at the words that Jefferson used, he used the words alter, abolish, throw off, right themselves, change. You could say he danced around it, but he used very specific language because they were not necessarily trying to overthrow the monarchy. In fact, they weren't trying to overthrow the monarchy. They were trying to throw off the monarchy. They wanted to separate from Great Britain, not take over Great Britain. And I think that's a an important distinction that maybe gets glossed over a little too much in the way that we think about it every day. And when you think about that, um, how does that look to the way we talk about it today? And when we talk about our right to alter or abolish or our right of rebellion. Are we talking about separating or are we talking about overthrowing? See, to me, a rebellion is more properly talking about overthrowing. If you want to put it in the pop culture Star Wars reference, the rebellion was to overthrow the empire. It wasn't to simply separate from it and go their own way. It was to literally overthrow it and replace it with a new republic. When we talk about our rights in our country today under the Declaration and under the Constitution, and we use the word rebellion, see, to me, that means that we're talking about overthrowing the government that is. Now, some people, that may be what we're talking about. And I will admit from time to time, that is exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, I understand the quote-unquote legal trouble that gets me in. But guess what? We've got a First Amendment. And if you want to come after me for saying that I entertain thoughts of politically overthrowing the United States, be my guest. Because that is the very essence of what is protected the right to have political ideas. Now, it's what you do with those political ideas that I think then you can make a good argument whether or not that starts to cross a line, quote-unquote. But we can talk about that later or separately. Back on point. When talking about a rebellion and overthrowing, I'm not sure that that's what we all mean and not all the time. To me, when we talk, or at least in the conversations that I have with people a lot, I like to talk more about a restoration, about um, restoring the way things should be, proper relationships. And you could make a very good argument, I think, uh, that you can't have a restoration, you can't restore federalism without first overthrowing the systems that have crushed federalism. In fact, I'm very much of that opinion. The regulatory state, the bureaucratic state, the deep state, the swamp, um, even Supreme Court rulings have uh, worked collectively to destroy our federal system such that individual states are relatively meaningless. Now, what's awesome is that the Roe decision getting overturned has all of a sudden reinvigorated people's understanding of federalism, and that's good to see. Gun rights is another area where federalism comes up over and over again. Death penalty cases, 
And these are areas that, you know, conservatives and libertarians have long understood. Of course, we have separate states because that's that's what we are. We're a loose federation of individual sovereign states. And what we want is the Constitution followed as written and as originally intended. And what we've had, certainly over the last hundred years, um, and you could make an argument even going beyond that, is a slow erosion of states' rights and the sovereignty of the states in favor of the federal government. And in some areas that has been necessary and was the correct course. Um, Slavery is one of those areas. But in the vast multitude of areas and things, um, it's been in the exact opposite, the wrong direction. So when we talk about what we want, are we really talking about a rebellion or are we talking about a restoration? And if we're talking about a restoration, then I'm not sure that the Declaration of Independence is the best place to look for our rights and what we can do, or what we should do, I should say. Because what we can do is goes back to our natural inalienable rights. All right? I always have the right to defend myself, whether the law says it or not, whether the Constitution is ever rewritten to get rid of the Second Amendment or not. That doesn't have anything to do with whether or not I have that innate right to do that. What it changes is whether or not I will be held criminally responsible or criminally liable and punished for exec- exercising my rights. And that is the the big fight and debate that we have, right? So what I can do, what I have a right to do, is not always the thing that uh, I should do or it's not the first thing I should go to, right? Rebellion or revolution or restoration, invoking the Declaration of Independence, isn't the first place I need to rush to anytime I disagree with what's happening politically in government. There's intermediary steps, right? We have voting, which... I understand, is flawed and is all but completely rigged at this point. So how much trust can we have in it? I I get that. I'm not having that debate in this episode. I'm saying that that's a mechanism that was put in place. If you want to think about it this way, the Constitution was designed and our system was designed so that we could have a mini revolution at least every two years in the House, every six years in the Senate, and every four years for the President. We could have a mini controlled revolution where if we don't like the government we have, we invoke our right to alter or abolish it by voting the people out who are screwing it up. Now, where has that gone severely wrong, even outside of uh, voter integrity, election integrity? The deep state, the swamp, the bureaucratic state, the, the government that never changes. The people who are in positions, uh, administration to administration, the people who are there, Congress to Congress, the people who never, ever leave. Those positions have essentially rendered the elected positions moot. When you can have the director of the FBI go to a Senate or a House oversight hearing and basically thumb his nose at the senators or the congressmen and say, well, I'm not going to answer that, or I can't answer that, or you don't have the right to know. Excuse me. Yes, we do. Those are our representatives. Those are us. Those are the people who we have sent there to look after you guys. And the idea that any one of the bureaucratic state can 
thumb their nose at the elected state is a problem right there. So the question then is, what do we do about it? And that's where we get into the discussions of, do we have a rebellion? Do we have a revolution? Do we have a restoration? Do we alter or abolish? Do we throw off? And that's where it gets a little tricky, because how can you say that you're only rebelling against part of it? How do you split the hair of saying, I don't want to get rid of the Constitution, I just want to get rid of all the crap that has swamped and covered and obliterated the Constitution. I don't know that you can do one without the other. I don't know that you can separate those two things. And what I mean is, sometimes something gets so saturated that it it just falls apart, regardless of how good the paper is. It's not saying that the Constitution is bad. It's saying that they have so corrupted it, so um, warped it, that it can't function anymore. And I've asked this question before. If we, if we, let's say we, let's say we have a, an actual rebellion, let's say we have armed revolution, and we take it over, take the entire thing over, and we throw every single person out. I don't care who they are, I don't care what position, we get rid of the entire federal bureaucracy. Every federal employee is axed, every federally elected position is axed, the FBI no longer exists, we get rid of it all, we obliterate all statute, regulatory, uh, or regulations, wipe the slate clean, and we go back to simply a constitution, simply the constitution as it currently exists, even though I'd love to get rid of some of those amendments. But let's go back to just the constitution exists. And we go forward from there, and we have new elections, just with the Constitution in effect, and the first Congress that gets in there, the first president gets in there, and the first Supreme Court that gets in there, and, and, they, and they go from there. What have we done, if anything, to keep it from going wrong again? What have we done to prevent that deep state? Now, it, it may take them some time, but I don't think it's going to take them nearly as much time as people imagine. But what have we done... To keep them coming back, because I guarantee you, that first election, that first Congress, somebody, lots of somebodies, are going to come along and say, well, we need to have a federal law enforcement agency of some kind. Um, no ATF, no, uh, you know, maybe we don't call it the FBI, but we, we need we need something, all right? And that's how it begins. We need that that something, so now they got to craft legislation that creates that something. Now, we have the opportunity within that legislation, certainly, to attempt to put safeguards in. But how does it go? How exactly do you fit that all in? Can you? Or if we can't, then is the Constitution really the best that it can be? And now we're talking about, okay, maybe we need a new Constitution. Do you see where this goes? Do you see how this goes? So that's why I'm not so convinced that when our side talks about invoking the Declaration of Independence, restoring the Constitution, I'm not so sure that that's really what they mean. It may be emotionally what they mean. It may be a a surface intellectual meaning, maybe a, a guttural, visceral meaning that they have, but it's not a very well thought through meaning. 
or if it is, I I haven't heard <laughs> I haven't heard the sale in arguments um, that convince me that that's really what people are talking about. Now, on the flip side of that, something else that I talk about uh, a lot, or at least with people face to face, is the idea of having you know basically a, a the way Todd Herman puts it, it's parallel societies, right? Having you know, basically saying we are going to go our own way. Now, that would actually be much more in line with the years leading up to the American Revolution than actual talk of open revolt. Much of what led to the American Revolution was the colonists um, in their various colonies and in their various townships and counties and cities simply attempting to live as Englishmen under the laws that they knew and had inherited and under the rights that they believed they had as English citizens. And it was when the British would, you know, outright violate those rights and and break those rights and break those laws um, all in the pretense of, well, the king, the king, the king, um, or parliament, 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 and and that's where that rebellious nature came from. Very oversimplified, it was they were just trying to live their life under the law that they had always known. And the British came along and started acting in a ad hoc manner. It's very oversimplified, but that's essentially what it was. And I think that is the the course that is better for the vast majority of us. Now, the problem with that is that I don't know that there are enough people who are doing that that it would grow outward and affect change in the way that we need. In other words, think of it as a human body, all right? Think of it and, you know, thankfully I've I've not personally experienced cancer um, in my own body. But to try to use this analogy, Imagine a person who has cancer, and the cancer is racking their body, and it's growing, it's metastasizing, and it's it's spreading. That cancer, left untreated, will eventually consume the whole body. It doesn't matter how fit and how healthy you get the non-cancerous areas of the body. Now, you can't really hope to fight the cancer if you don't take care and make sure that the, the areas that aren't infested with it stay healthy um, or even get stronger. But you can't, you can't get rid of the cancer only by making those healthy parts healthier. You have to do something that actually attacks the cancer. And I think that analogy applies to our country and to the political landscape. There are too many cancerous regions, uh, mostly urban, that will spread and continue to spread, regardless of how strong and how fortified the good areas where the cancer isn't, no matter how strong we make those fortifications in those areas, the cancer will grow and spread and overwhelm those areas. Now, I'm not saying this to be fatalistic, because every analogy has its limitations, all right? And the limitation on on it would be this. By having those healthy areas, by bolstering those healthy areas, 
you can create a strong base that then can go back out to those cancerous regions and start gaining ground back little by little. But I don't know if it can completely overcome. And and that's really where I keep having an internal debate with myself is that that's an absolutely necessary step before we were to try anything else. But would we be able to convert that step into that next step that goes back and starts to attack the cancer? That I don't know. And that I don't know what it looks like. And I don't know that it's rebellion. I don't know that that's the right word. And I really don't know that the rest of the terminology that Jefferson uses in the Declaration of Independence really apply. Because I'm not looking to alter, well, I am looking to alter it. I'm not necessarily looking to abolish it, though. I'm looking to purify it, to clean it, to purge it, not abolish it. So alter, yes. Throw off, throw off the corruption, but not the core system. So I guess what I would ask everyone who listens to this episode to really internalize and think about is if you had the ability to step out without fear of the FBI or Homeland Security or the Department of Justice or anybody else knock on your door the very next day and the black helicopter swooping down in to take you away, if you had the ability to step out and say, follow me, I've got this plan that's going to fix the republic. What is that? And if you've got that plan, have you explored it? Have you shared it with people? Have you really vetted it and thought of all the pitfalls and thought of, okay, well, if we go this direction, how do we prevent this from happening? And, and you might have, but then how do you share that with people? And that will be probably a topic for another episode because that therein lies the other problem is how do we how do we have the tavern conversations when no one goes to the tavern anymore? Um, or how do we have these conversations when we're, we have a, a surveillance state, both public and private, spying on every single word that we talk about and share, regardless of how much encryption there is and so on and so forth? How do we share these ideas boldly, openly, and say, these are our rights. We're standing on our rights if you got that figured out, please get in touch with me and let's, let's uh, have conversation about it because I keep going back and forth on it myself. This is not going to be solved easily and finding agreement, widespread agreement on it is, is difficult in and of itself. I've long maintained that that in of itself is one of the miracles of the revolution is that so many people came to have such broad agreement on these principles. And I think it's because it was so simple. It was the principles they already knew and understood. They didn't have to be re-educated on it. They already knew them. They that's, that's how they lived. And they were being violated. Um, it's hard to convince a people that their rights are being violated if they don't even know what their rights are. So with that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. Please like, rate, comment. Please give me some feedback on uh, on not only this episode, but any other episodes that you may have listened to. And most importantly, please share this podcast with as many people as you know that have these types of thoughts. That whether they're um, as libertarian or conservative as you are or as I am, um, maybe this will give them something new to think about. Because that really is the point of this podcast, is to expand our understanding by 
thinking about things in ways that we maybe have not entertained before. So until next time, God be with you all in all that you do. And remember, keep the faith and keep up the fight.